Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, this is Zach Van Norman with the Once Upon a Fan podcast, and I am joined uh, once again by my regular co-host Amy Hood. Hello Amy, how are you darling? I am fabulous, it's been a busy day doing prep for podcasts and writing Once Upon a Time recaps and getting ready, making notes for the cons coming up for SpookyCon. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. Today marks the uh, the end of my first year at college, so I'm very, very excited about that. And uh, I am very happy to have a week and a half break before I have to go back to uh, back to the books. So very excited about that. So everybody, um, if you're just joining us, of course, I'm going to give the usual preamble about the, the uh, chat room. And of course, if you're a regular listener, then you know, sometimes it takes a minute for the chat room to actually get loaded up. Um, you actually find that you have to refresh the page a couple of times. So if that's happening to you, if you're not able to get into the the chat room yet, please bear with us as it just takes a second. So let's go ahead and get talking about all of the the news that we have coming up. And the first thing that we're going to talk about is that we have an upcoming uh, interview here on the podcast on April 1st that we are extremely excited to talk about. and Amy, actually, I'm going to let you bring us this news because, uh, yeah, just go ahead, girl. Well, I'm so, so excited about this. You all know how much Zach and I love Once Upon a Time and Wonderland, obviously. Richard Haddam, who is one of the consulting producers for Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, he's also written a few of the episodes. He has a really great body of work. He's written and produced for shows like Supernatural, Grimm, uh, like we said, he's on Wonderland. Uh, he just has, you can look up on IMDb, there's a huge long list of it. But we've been talking to him, and he's going to call into the podcast so that we can interview him on April 1st. So in the probably midpoint of the podcast on April 1st, Richard's going to be joining us to talk and it's going to be the that'll be right before the actual finale for Wonderland airs because the finale is going to be on April 3rd which yay birthday gift for me that's my birthday but um, we are so so excited to talk to Richard I can't wait he actually hinted that there were in fact I had asked about things maybe they had wanted to do and hadn't been able to get to in Wonderland because of time constraints. And he said, yes, there were storylines and things they wanted to do. I cannot wait to talk to him about that and about a lot of his work. So we are so excited, and I hope all of you will join us next week for that. Yeah, I'm very excited for that, too. Um, I have got a lot of questions that I want to to ask him. So. Richard, if you happen to hear this at all, be prepared, good sir. I'm just saying. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff that we're gonna to wanna to ask you. In all in all in all, you know, politeness and obviously. You know, I don't mean to be rude when I say that, I'm just joking. But yeah, just be prepared. We've got a lot of stuff to say. So, um we've got some other some other um news that's going on here um that I'm going to talk about. Uh we've got let me see. We've got a couple of news bulletins. Since we're on the topic of Wonderland, I'm just going to mention that there are only two episodes of Wonderland left um, after this. Um, we just had the really great episode, actually, with Cora, with Barbara Hershey on it. Had a lot of backstory, lots of emotion at the end, all of the feels, really kind of craziness. Um, so, yeah, there's only two more episodes of Wonderland. Very excited to see how it's going to end, where, you know, where it's all going to go. Um, 
what kind of surprises lay in store and that kind of thing. So very excited about that. And that's something that we will be able to talk to Richard about. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just going to be like kind of funny timing with that whole interview. But yeah, there's two episodes of one of them left. Everybody make sure that you watch it because it's getting pretty good. It was so emotional last week. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, Amy, you've got some more news for us too, I think. Yes. On uh, a petition that's going on. Right. Actually, I just heard about this today. It was kind of a last-minute addition to the news. But Michael Raymond James fired Neil on the show. And, you know, Zach and I are Swan Fire girls. So, anyway, we love him. And he he and Jan Nash also, she was another uh, consulting and executive producer for Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. They both happened to tweet separately about, uh, there's a petition going around in order to get something looked at by the White House uh, and to get your petition to go through, you have to have 100,000 signatures. And this is just short of it. The last time I looked, it was only short by about 1,500, I believe. So if our onesers jump on there and sign it. But basically, there have been some medical trials and they've all been like passed with flying colors. So what it is is a treatment for children for a terminal form of a specific type of muscular dystrophy. Um, There's one child in particular that um, Michael Raymond James was talking about, but the the cause is for, you know, many children who might have this disease. But it is terminal, and these uh, treatments have been proven in clinical trials, and what the petition is for is to get them to go ahead and move this kind of to the front of the line for the FDA since it has been proven by uh, all the clinical trials. They're trying to get the FDA to go ahead and move this up to look at it. So um, the main website is the race to yes.org and it'll take you right through it. You can see it's like an official petition thing. So. If everybody takes a look at that, I think we could definitely get it over 100,000, probably even before the end of the night. But that would be really great to do. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a good cause. And obviously, if they're approving it in all the trials and everything, then, you know, it's something that should be able to sustain itself. So, yeah, everybody, just make sure you, you know, check out some information and look for yourself and see if that's something that you guys want to do. So, yeah. Um, let me see. Um Amy, I'm going to talk about the finale last. So you want to tell us about this week, who we have as a guest star, and then we'll get to that? I know that we have a lot of Rumbell fans that listen and a lot of Belle fans in general, people who just absolutely love the character of Belle and were fans before, even once upon a time. So for all of our Beauty and the Beast fans, I know that we mentioned before that we were getting Lumiere in an upcoming episode, and this next episode is when, oh, yep, Angie just said, yes, in the the, uh, chat room. Um, This next episode that's coming up is the episode that we're getting Lumiere in. I've seen a picture, and it looks really cool what they've done with it as far as him and the Enchanted Forest. I don't know if we're going to see in both places, because as you guys know, Zach and I avoid spoilers, but um, I have seen a promo picture of the Enchanted Forest. I did, and it's Henry Mubadi who's playing him, and he's been in a couple shows as making guest appearances. I've seen him in Bones and Castle, things like that. Um, but he's a really great actor, and I'm so excited to see this episode this week. Me too. Um, I, it's funny because whenever I think of Beauty and the Beast, now there's a couple things that happen. Number one, I think of 
um, Rumbell, obviously. Just think of Rumble and Bell on the show because they've kind of, in a way, they've kind of replaced the animated characters as my go-to versions of what I see when I think about them. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's true for anybody else. Let us know in the chat room if that's the case. Um, but yeah, whenever I think of these stories now in my head, I always think of the Once Upon a Time versions first, and not anybody else. So yeah. Um, but also, what I think about is our trip to um, Orlando when we were walking around Disney World because. It was really fun, and I uh, just, yeah, it was just a good time. I remember we were all, t- like, took pictures in front of Gaston Fountain, and uh, me and Garrett, uh, me and Gareth, our editor, went out to dinner at, at Be Our Guest, and it was just amazing and delicious, and yeah, just that's what I think of when I think Beauty and the Beast now, so. Oh, once upon a family memory. Oh, everybody, oh. Hi, Rose. <laughs> and Jasmine, didn't you feel yeah. like you were in Rumpelstiltskin's castle and not from Beauty and the Beast when you were in that restaurant? Yeah, you know exactly what's so funny? I, is, I felt like they did a really, really good job, obviously, with the theming and everything, but what was hilarious is we were in the West Wing room, and the Beast, like, he walks around and he greets people. So he walked in, and he, you know, waved at everybody. And I said to Gareth, I think, I, I remember saying this to my dinner, I was like, where's the rumple flourish with his hands? Like, he needs to do it. <laughs> like, he, like, if they're going to have a beast walking around, he could at least watch, you know, Once Upon a Time and incorporate that into his performance because it's just or a little thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, or have it, well, well yeah, it would make sense if he had a cane. There could be a cane just sitting in the room somewhere, right? Like, it could just be there and... Right. I'm just saying, you can find a way to incorporate it in. I'm just, you know, hashtag. I've been there one time, and when we went and the beast walked through, I leaned over to my husband, and I said, whoa, Rumpel needs to shave. <laughs> you know, he's got this big, huge, hairy beast suit on as he's walking through. But I loved it. It was so good. Yeah, it's a really cool place. And if you're ever in Disney World, everybody, I highly recommend that you um, – get the reservation and of course you have to get it like six months in advance because it sells out immediately and with good reason because the food is delicious try the gray stuff seriously it's delicious it's I'm delicious. Just okay it is I'm, I'm telling you it's so good okay so um on to the next bullet point here so we can make sure that we get to cover everything because we have a lot to talk about in this, in this podcast because we didn't even talk about last week's wonderland yet so we need to somehow incorporate that into so okay with here we go um the, we finally got our uh, our finale title, and we actually got that today. And uh, so the last two episodes are going to – oh, that's the other thing, too. It was announced that it's going to be a two-hour season finale, which is totally awesome. I'm stoked about it because when we were all doing the hiatus rewatch of all those episodes and we did, you know, like the last two and the first two, they really do feel like two-hour episodes. So the fact that they're giving us two full hours of Once Upon a Time for the finale just kind of fits in line with that theme, and I'm so, you know, kind of stoked about that. Um, and then, so what they're called, of course, is episode 21 is Snow Drift, and there's a lot of discussion on what that's going to be. We talked about it last week on the podcast where I would kept, and I don't know if it came across that I was kind of joking about it, that, you know, Snow might cheat on Charming or something, because I was totally kind of joking about it. Like, it, it might be something they could do, but I honestly don't think they're going to do it. Um, but then the finale episode is called There's No Place Like Home. And I find that hilarious, because me and Amy, in a private conversation, were talking about what, <laughs> what the finale was going to be called. <laughs> and <laughs> we even said that it's going to be called Nope, either... Um, what was it? It wasn't just There's No Place Like Home. That was our second guess. 
What there's was the first no one? place like home. No, there's no place like home was our first guest. Our second guest oh, was over, over the, the rainbow. rainbow, right? Over the yeah. rainbow was the other one we were thinking. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, but Amy totally said that <laughs> like that if it ended up being called oh, there's no place like home, she was gonna like have a heart attack and. It is. That is what it's called. So I tip my hat to you, kind ladies, knowing what the episode is going to be called. <laughs> well, I thank you, darling. Oh, Peter Pizza is saying in the chat room that he was thinking Goodbye Yellow Brick Road would have been good. And that would have been hilarious because that's also an Elton John song title. So that's It funny. is. Um, and I love Elton John. He's one of my favorites, and I love that song. Oh, yeah, maybe they'll, they'll put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. <laughs> All right, so let's get into our episode, um, you know, kind of review here of what was going on this week. So this episode, I think overall, was really, um, it felt very different. Um, not only just in terms of, the, you know, the story was, you know, it was really, really tight, really moving, lots of good stuff happening in the story. But also just the, on a technical side of it, too, I think that it was really engaging because they did a lot of things that were different. There were a lot of close-ups. Um, in a lot of different places. And I really, it kind of gave it a more ominous feeling, actually, to be so tight on some things and to really show that kind of detail because it kind of, you know, makes you feel like the walls are closing in around you, right? So, you know, when they add that, it kind of creates a little bit more tension and your brain doesn't even know. So um, I really thought it was good overall. Amy, what's your overall impression of this episode? I really liked it. I like the way that the show is starting to get, and we've talked about it with Wonderland. Wonderland is really starting to get dark, and I like that this one kind of is starting to get darker, and it also really brought up a lot of good discussion. The theories that are coming out now have been fantastic. So I'm excited that we're getting more into Oz. Everybody knows I love Alice in Wonderland, but Oz is kind of the other thing that has a special place in my heart. When I was growing up, every year, my grandmother and I used to watch The Wizard of Oz together, and um, she passed away a few years ago, but The Wizard of Oz was something that we shared that was really special between the two of us. So everything Oz, I am so excited for. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought up the theory, because um, at the end of this, of our discussion about this episode, I want to talk about Anthony's theory that we post on a Once Upon a Fan, which I think is hilarious to me because, like, we were having the same private conversation on the staff page that Anthony was having privately, like, on his own. So while we were sitting there talking about it, coming to the same conclusion, he was too. I just thought that that was really funny. Like, good job, Anthony. Good job. Good job. Okay, so we'll get to that at the end because it corresponds with things that are happening at the end there. Okay, so this episode starts out with Prince Charming having a dream. And it's weird because it starts on, you know, Regina's castle. Well, Regina Snow Charming castle? I don't know whose castle it is anymore, really. <laughs> so it starts on that castle, though. And it shows Charming walking down the halls, and then he opens the door, and he's in Emma's nursery. And obviously that's not the right castle, which I even said that out loud, too. I said, this is not the right castle. What's going on? And then, you know, it's obviously a dream um, okay. because Emma shows up in that dress. Okay. Amy, do you want to start yes, on the we dress have or to should talk I talk about the dress? I okay. Who wants? I know. We are waiting for Emma in a dress. I have to start on the dress. I have to start on the dress. I'm sorry. I have to. Okay, so we see Emma in the dress, and it's gorgeous. It's blue. It's got feathers. It's got a lot of really kind of 
ornate kind of accents to it, a lot of like, you know, little glistening kind of jewels and stuff like that. Really nice, really just, oh my God, it's so pretty. But it's not too much though. That's what I like too. It's not too much. Um, it is foofy at the bottom too. But I like how there's like, it looks like there's feathers at the top a lot because obviously it's Emma Swan and there should be feathers on Emma's dress. I've said that several times. So, um, and then they have the dance scene and it's so cute. Because um, she's like, it's like a daddy-daughter dance, you know, that they, it's just so sweet. Like, can you imagine little Emma in a little dress, you know, like when she would have been teaching, like him teaching her how to dance? Can you imagine that what that would have been like? It's so, like, really devastating to think about, like, really. Yeah, definitely. I I love the scene, though. And the dress, I don't know if any of our listeners have seen Swan Lake, the ballet done, but oftentimes the costumes for the swans have like those arm pieces, the way that Emma's dress did, that almost kind of represent, you know, the feathers or the wings of the swan. And that's what I thought of as soon as I saw it. But I loved it because we've been talking on the podcast for a long time about how Emma's on this journey to her princess dress. So even though this was a dream, I loved seeing her in it. And I thought that it was really the whole scene, even I mean, when it started and then when everything got freaky, weird, creepy. The whole scene was just really good. Yeah, it did get really weird, creepy, too, um, when all of a sudden, like, she says that he failed him, or, okay, she says that he failed her, and then, mm-hmm. like, it goes all blue, and her hair is down, and all of a sudden, like, you know, there's a vortex, which looks like a tornado, I just want to say, coming out of the wardrobe that, like, is mm-hmm. trying to take her into it. And and then he wakes up from the dream. Now, I just want to point out one thing. If you've been listening to the podcast, then you know that I have this whole theory about color and clothes and what that means. And it applies very much to this scene, and here's why. When Charming walks in and he's wearing red, red normally means, like, you know, power and passion and strength and all those kind of things, right? Then he normally wears some kind of a red accent. I've written an article about this. If you're interested, we'll post a link on the podcast page later on. Um, but, yeah, so red means power, so when he goes in, he's the powerful, you know, father figure, right? And he's Prince Charming, and he is totally in his own. And then Emma shows up, and she's wearing a blue dress. Now, the significant thing about blue for Charming is that it represents his weaknesses. And I want everybody, while we're talking about this, to think back to season one and think about David Nolan's wardrobe. He always wore blue, always. Like, he almost never wore any other color besides blue. It's kind of weird. Like, because Charming was always wearing red, and then David wears blue. So the fact that Emma is wearing blue, she represents his fears and his weaknesses and his doubts about being able to actually, you know, be a father to an infant again, and that kind of a thing. So that's what that whole color scheme was, that's what that was all about there, like the contrast there. And I love Charming's new outfit too, by the way. I think it's gorgeous and wonderful and awesome. So, yeah, I think it's really good. And did you notice that she called him daddy in the dream sequence? Yes, I sure she did. Said, yes, I yes. sure did. I, I, was, I was like, oh, yeah, that's when I was, you know, because I, I, that just made it even more sad for me because, you know, that's something that he wished he had heard, you know, her say to him all throughout her growing up. So, yeah, with her calling him daddy, I was like, oh. Yeah, that was really sad. Um the whole, that whole thing is really sad. If you stop to think about it for a second, they have had, it's really just tragic. Yeah, it's just so tragic. Anyway. So then he wakes up, and he's in the castle, and he and Snow tells him that she's pregnant, right? Okay, 
to be honest with you, maybe it's because of the way they're doing the timeline. I don't know. But I did not know where we were at in the timeline until it, like, said a little nine months later at the bottom. Because, honestly, I wasn't sure if we were, like, in the past when he when Snow White was, like, pregnant with Emma. And it was, like, saying, oh, no, I guess they already had that conversation. Huh? He already knew. Well, no, they didn't because in, in Lady of the Lake, she wasn't pregnant yet. She just knew that one day they were going to have a child. Okay. So I thought I wasn't sure if it was like a time thing where he was like having some kind of prophetic dream where he you know Snow White had just told him that she was pregnant with Emma and there was that whole thing or if she was like pregnant with the new baby. You know what I'm saying? Am I making sense? Mm-hmm. Um I wasn't sure exactly which one it was. I found it kind of confusing. But anyways, it was good. So then they had their whole conversation, Regina shows up and then everything was hmm. I hmm. I had, a, I had a theory about something that was happening in that scene, but I forgot about it. All right, so then we see the Wicked Witch going down into the storm cellar, and Rumpel is down there, and he's spinning gold. And we get to that lovely shaving scene. And he's okay. not. <laughs> Completely he's out of his mind. Oh, my God. It's, it's like a pack of planters, like peanuts. I'm telling you, he's so nutty. Oh, my God. So, um, and, she, and she, I just got to point out, too, she is crazy as all get up as well. Like, this lady is, she has gone around the twist. Um, that's all I can say about that. She is just uber creeps. And, you know, the story that she's telling about her dad and how he didn't like to, you know, shave and all this other stuff, like, really? Like, we are just her going on Her dad sounds like Cora's dad from the Miller's daughter. That's what I thought it of does. when she said that because he was a drunk, too. Yeah, I kind of thought that, too. And that would be kind of like... Uh, weird, but yeah. So um, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go there. So yeah, but that whole scene was really, really something. And you know what? I love that she said when she was shaving him, she told him to hold still, or she was gonna, you know, or unless you want me to nick that pretty face. And I loved it. And then mm-hmm. she showed up because like she always says things are pretty, and I like it. Like it's just a little thing, and I'm wondering, like, are any of these people gonna pick up on the fact that this woman is calling things pretty, like? when they know they should be looking out for the Wicked Witch? Like, because here's what I would be doing, right? Okay. If I knew that it was the Wicked Witch who had cursed us, I would, like, subtly be telling, like, you know, Granny and all the dwarves and Belle and everybody, like, you all need to pick up a copy of The Wizard of Oz and read it because you need to know who we're up against. Like, if you don't know already, get to, like, Belle is the librarian. She can, like, have a whole, you know, like, group reading thing. Anyways. I, I know they couldn't really do that because they don't want her to know that they know it's her, but still. Anyways, there has to be something that they could do. So, yeah. Um, anyways, just wanted to point that out. So, yeah, she's totally creeps, and she's you know, doing her thing. And then she goes to the pawn shop, and she calls Belle Mrs. Gold, which was actually kind of sad um, mm. when she was like, yeah, he died. Even though, honestly, when she said, no, I'm not Mrs. Gold, I wanted to be like, girl, yes, you are. Have you seen your dress? You are totally Mrs. Gold. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I'm just I'm just saying, like, oh, wouldn't it be such a cool thing if Belle, like, got a new dress that was, like, made, like, from the gold that Rumpel had spun? Ooh, does somebody want to, like, Photoshop that or, like, write a fanfic about it? Somebody get on that. Okay, so, um, so isn't that such a – wouldn't that be something, though? Like, it would be all fancy and ornate because he would spin it for her, right? And, oh, that makes me even have a different idea. Okay, so what if one day, right, like when Rumpel is doing magic, what if it turns to, like, gold, like, smoke? 
Ooh, that would be so nifty. That would be like the rumple the gold thing that we've been talking about for weeks. Okay, anyway. So um, they go to Regina's office and – oh, 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 okay. I got to back up really quick because I want to talk about that scene where Regina and Emma and everybody are talking about what they're going to do. And Regina says, if you want to waste time playing Nancy Drew, be my guest. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Because mm-hmm. it's like one literary character referencing another. Yeah, I just thought it was really cool. Okay, so then they're in her office, right? And I'm probably talking a mile a minute, and I hope that I'm making sense to everybody. And if I'm not, let me know because I can totally slow down. So they're in Regina's office, and they're looking for some hard evidence of the Wicked Witch and who exactly she is. And they get a partial footprint, and they ask, do you guys see anything? And Hook says, aside from an austere sense of design, nothing. And I just <laughs> love those little one-liners. They're just hilarious to me. Um, yeah, I just love them. I think they're great. This I mean, I might talk writing... like No, you're fine, babe. I was just going to say, I think the writing this season has been really strong. And I feel like, even though I mentioned earlier we are getting darker, that they still try and, you know, here and there lighten it up with these one-liner comments or, you know, a lighter moment here and there. So, yeah, definitely, I love the one-liners, too. And it seems like Hook and Regina usually have the best ones. Yeah, they really do tend to give them some really good lines. Um, I think it's really cool. Um, I mean, obviously it makes sense because they're like the villains, so they can get away with being a little bit more snarky. But honestly, like, I mean, everybody else gets them too, but theirs are just a little bit more zinga, I guess, than anybody else's. Okay, so then in the flashback, after, like, Charming finds, you know, what, you know, they're leaving the office. Okay, so Charming is, like, out in the armory, and he's having himself a drink. And then Robin had joined him. Okay. Batting down the hatches, everybody. Hatches, rather. We're getting into this. Okay. So, Prince Charming <laughs> and Robin Hood. Probably the best bromance that I've seen this side of Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. Like, if they make such great friends. It totally makes sense for these two guys to be friends. Um they're very, they seem to be very alike in character. They seem, you know, they're a little bit of alike appearance, in appearance, rather, even though their clothes are so different. Well, no, actually, they look really different, what am I saying? They could, they probably could be like cousins or something, I suppose. Who knows? They're both cute. So, um, Robin Hood's got a great outfit, too. That Somebody needs to cosplay as Robin Hood on the double. Peter Pizza, I'm looking at you, sir. Peter Pizza. Okay. Yeah. So, um... And then, yeah, Charming's got a great outfit. They're having a drink. They're talking. They talk about Night Root, and, you know, Robin Hood says that he never dabbles in magic unless, you know, he has to, which I thought was funny because I was like, oh, just wait, dude. You don't even know what's in your future. Like, you're supposed to be with, like, the mother of all magical people, like, literally. So, like, mm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that I he said that he didn't like to mess with magic. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. That, that might be yeah. problematic down the line. Exactly. And then, okay, so then we get this scene where David gets home and Zelina, the Wicked Witch of the West, has joined his wife and now him for afternoon tea as they discuss their impending parenthood and the baby and other things. Okay. Okay. How is this woman not, like, uber-creepiness to them? I understand that maybe it's part of the curse, that they don't actually, you know, 
Like they can't actually think that way. But somebody has got to think that this woman is just creepy. She is so creepy. She is just like what Jenny Goodwin called her. She is totally a creepy Mary Poppins. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Though? Was, like she's all like yeah. bar and everything, but she's uber creeps. I'm telling you. That's one of the only issues that I had with this past episode because you would think that your first order of business would be to kind of make a list of who you don't know from the curse before. And those people are probably the first ones you want to talk to. So, you know, them kind of letting this stranger in, I, I hope that, Mary Margaret is a little more cautious in the future, so, because, I don't know, I was just watching that scene going, you know, you don't know who she is, and now she's in the house, and we can talk Snow's up to baby brain, because everybody who's been pregnant, I, I know when I was pregnant, I definitely kind of, I still lose my mind sometimes, but, you know, you, you kind of get wrapped up, but, but I don't know, I that was one of the issues I had. I was like, really? You don't know who you're looking for, and you're letting strangers into your home. Um, that's what I'm saying, man. That's <laughs> totally what I, That's my deal, too, absolutely. Like, the very first thing I would do as, like, a ground rule to everybody, I would be like, okay. Oh, and because here's strangers. the thing, right? Oh, oh, my God, I just got it. You want to know why? You want to know why? It's a Snow White parallel, Amy. It's it's to the animated Snow White. That's what it is. She doesn't know the danger because she's naive like that. And and she's got a witch sitting here basically offering her an apple, and she's totally taking it. That's what it is. I I just figured that out. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. That's why she's so, yeah, like she's, uh uh-huh, okay, I'm with it. I'm hip to it now. I gotcha. I'm picking up what you're putting down, (laughs) Adam and Eddie. I'm with you. Okay, cool. So... But then in this scene, right, that's when they have a lot of, like, close-ups. Like, when she's making the tea, like, they show her reflection in the kettle, and they show the fire coming up underneath the kettle. And, you know, they show all these things that are really, really different. They're just different kinds of shots than what they normally do for Once Upon a Time. And that's what it really, like, it stood out to me enough that I actually commented on it when I was doing my Twitter thing. So, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it was, yeah, Rose just said what I was about to say. They were very... Hitchcock shots is what it reminded me of. That was that was what I was thinking too. Love that there yeah. was a lot of really good camera work in this scene and the close-ups and you know I you can kind of it almost made it feel more separate like they like she wasn't so close to Snow and Charming that you know she couldn't be sneaking and putting this stuff into his drink because realistically she's only a few steps behind them but. With all these close-ups, you know, you kind of felt like it was a little small area. She was off to the side, and she could get away with it. Yeah, it makes it makes it makes sense now. Like now, I get it, and now I totally understand. Okay, so now that we've established that, now that we know that it's not, I mean, it's in part baby brain, and it's in part Snow White's natural character um, <laughs> to just be so accepting of a stranger. So then Charming finds the night route, and he finds the tower, and he climbs up the hair into the tower, and he finds Rapunzel, and it's Alexandra Metz. And I think she did a good job. Um, obviously, you know, her character, her role wasn't, like, you know, huge or anything. Like, it wasn't, you know, totally involved. 
Um, and I know that some people aren't happy about that, but I do think that, you know, overall, even though we all have a love of these characters on our own, whether we like the original fairy tales or whether we like the Disney versions of them, I think that ultimately for this show, what we all care about is the core audience or the core audience, the core characters. So I think that, you know, even when the characters, like, make an appearance, you know, I mean, I'm not expecting everybody to get a big, huge, long backstory the way that we got for the core characters because those aren't really the stories that we're, you know, that we're telling right now. Um, and that those was are a complaint a lot of people had during season two. A lot of people were not, you know, they were kind of upset about the way that the storyline kept veering away from our core characters. and. Uh, that might be one part of why season three is so strong because we kind of have gotten back to our initial group from season one. So I really didn't expect Rapunzel to have a huge, huge part. I did love Alexandra Metz. I thought she was fantastic. And when I know a couple people were, you know, not happy because it wasn't exactly like the Disney version, but you and I talked about it. The way I feel about it is if I want to see the exact Disney version, I'll just pop in a DVD. I, I love the way one twists the storylines up and goes in these new directions with characters. I think it was awesome. Yeah, and the show is really going darker in tone, um, you know, and in design also, but that's a whole other conversation. But, yeah, it's the show is going darker in tone, and it's going, you know, it's getting to be more adult. This Wicked Witch thing is playing out much more like a horror story than it is a fairy tale. Um, Mm -hmm. kind of like a combination of the two. It's like a horror fairy tale in a way because, and not so much because it's, it's like terrifying or there's gore or violence or some crazy creature, but it's the subtle, like really, this is a very subtle manipulative menace. I mean, really it's, it's actually much worse than Regina because with Regina, you knew who your enemy was. In this case, they have no idea who they're fighting. And so in that case, it makes it a lot worse than how they were before, especially like when Snow was saying that they went from, you know, being, you know, zero to baby, you know, ready to have the baby in the blink of an eye, basically. Um, you know, she says that it's just disconcerting, and I imagine that it probably would be for them. Um, and that's what I think, you know, there's like that underlying threat to Zelina that makes her, that sets her apart from Regina. And so, you know, it is darker in tone and they're just doing different things. So kind of in a roundabout way, going to bring that back to our original point. But, uh, but yeah, I really liked, you know, the darker tone. I love the creepy, you know, hooded thing, manifestation of fear, um, whatever we're going to call that, the ghoul. Should we just call it the ghoul? Let's call it the ghoul because it's a fun word. So, you know, I really like the ghoul. Um, it was just, you know, it was creepy. It really went along with last week's Wonderland with the, the thing coming out of the water, the, the mist yeah. of the water, whatever, mm-hmm. the guardian of the water. Yeah, it really went along with that. So I just thought it was really creepy and, you know, and it's something different also. Like, it was creepy in a way that the race kind of wasn't creepy to me from season two. I wasn't really, like, I never really thought that the race was going to be that scary. I mean, you know what I mean? But, like, that thing, right. that was really creepy. And so was the thing from Wonderland last week. So, you know. They were. I, want- I think this, the way this, that this fear ghoul moved was one of the things that made it so creepy. Its movement was not, you know, flowing and spidey the way the race were. But this was, you know, one minute here, the next second it's like, you know, 10 steps closer to you than it just was. And that 
I don't know, that movement just kind of made it. And the way that they didn't really linger on it a lot, like when it popped up in Charming's rear, you know, side mirror as he closed the door, and then you didn't see it. And I just thought that whole thing was so spooky, and it definitely went along with the Guardian of the Well from Wonderland last week. That was really creepy, too. Yeah, it was really creepy. Um, and then the other, and there was a little Easter egg in the scene that I want to point out, too. When she's talking, you know, when Zelina is talking to Snow and Charming and she says that, you know, she's, after he takes this, his sip of the night root tea, which is green tea, by the way, as, you know, Peter pointed out in the chat room giveaway, um, she says, uh, Zelina says, you are so lucky to have such a strong husband or whatever, so brave or, you know, yeah, so courageous or whatever she says. And then she goes, mm-hmm. speaking of, she goes, speaking of which, and I was like, oh, yeah, speaking of yourself, are we, oh, you mean the other <laughs> witch, like, which? Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Like, very clever dialogue there. I liked it a lot. So just, thought yeah. that. just wanted to point that out. So and then she said we that get he to see, calmed the nerves. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I bet it does. <laughs> yeah, she calms the nerves. Mm-hmm. So um, let me see. After that is when, oh, okay, so Regina and Henry are at the park, right? Loved this scene. Totally loved it. 1,000 percent loved it. Totally loved it. Loved it. What about you? I did too. You guys know I'm a huge evil regal, and I thought that I don't know. This was the first time in the last couple episodes that Regina's kind of had that. You know, she was happy to be with Henry, and she wasn't sad at seeing him in Storybrooke because they actually kind of had a moment. But I loved his comment about uh, he would love to have a. a dinner for a holiday that didn't only have two tables sitting. I was cracking up when she said that one day he would have more family than he knew what to do with because, I mean, let's be honest, everybody is related to everybody so far, and Henry is related to all of them, so he definitely is going <laughs> to end up having a huge family once, you know, once he gets his memory back. That's not anything he'll ever have to worry about again. Yeah, I thought it was a good line, too. And you know what else? I loved her reaction to Henry when he said that um, Walsh had asked Emma to marry him. She was kind of like, oh, okay. Like, that didn't <laughs> really know. <laughs> yeah, it didn't know. But then did you notice the way that she said Walsh's name? She was like, what do you think of this Walsh? Like, it's almost like, I feel like she's trying to, like, that she might think that something's up with that. Like, wouldn't it be great if that was something that she used to figure out that, like, you know, something had happened. Like, I don't know. I just thought that it might be something that comes up later. So, um, you know what else I liked about this scene too, right? It made me think of uh, going home, actually. It made me think of two scenes. One, the scene where uh, Mary Margaret gives um, Henry the book, and then the other one where he's saying goodbye to Regina at the very end when they're at the town line. And what, okay. the thing about the book is that he says that, you know, Regina doesn't really, you know, love him, and then he kind of tells her the same thing there at the end. And what I like about this scene is that it's showing that right now, like, Regina has no choice but to actually get to know him on, like, a really human level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like she's not just bossing around. She's not just his mom. She's not trying to keep him from Emma. She's not trying to control him. She's not trying to do one thing or another. You know what I mean? She actually just has to stop and take a step back and get to know her son. And I find that really refreshing because... 
what I think it's going to do is that when Henry finally remembers, like he's going to have actual situations in his memory now that he knows of where Regina was like actually loving him and just getting to know him and giving him a chance and, you know, being who he wanted her to be. So now he's going to have that, you know, now on the other side of that is I remember that there was an interview where Adam and Eddie were asked whether or not there would be, you know, kind of any consequences or anything to the fact that Emma is lying to Henry again. And he, or it would it have any um, uh, like effect on their relationship? I think is how it was worded. And I think it was Eddie who answered. He said yes, it would definitely affect their relationship. So I'm wondering if they're going to play into the thing from Manhattan, where you know Henry said that she was just like Regina and lied to him. And I wonder if he's going to like, you know, really turn his back on Emma this year or something. Like, or what kind of consequence that's going to have? Because at this point. Like, and well, I mean, everybody is lying to him, really. But, yeah, I just, I really wonder what the kind of effect that's going to have on Henry and his relationship with everybody else when he finally does remember. I'm really curious about I think he's going to tell that. Emma that he's so mad about it that he wants to live with Regina for a while. Honestly, I think that's what's going to happen because there was that whole promise that Emma made to him in Manhattan not to lie that she was never going to lie to him again she swore to him on the balcony she was never going to lie again so I think that either he's going to be upset and run off or he's going to want to stay with Regina for a while I have a theory want to hear it? I do got one okay so after Hope dies because <clears throat> that is what I think is going to happen. I think Hook is totally going to be the one who bites it. Um, Again, guys, this is not a spoiler. This is just, so don't send yeah, emails. It's not a spoiler. It's just back theory. Yeah, it's just my theory. So after Hook dies, um, and Emma is, and, you know, Neil, he's either going to be the dark one or some kind of dark thing, or he's going to be working with Zelina. Maybe he doesn't want to be, um, you know, one thing or another, I don't know. There's a couple of, you know, candidates for the Tin Man position, and we'll get to that, in this, you know, later on, and it has to do with what Anthony was talking about, too. There's kind of like, there's a few of them, but really there's only two. So it's either going to be Hook or Neil who ends up being the, the Tin Man, and it's totally going to be Hook because he's already got a metal part of his body. So, yeah, anyways. So, um, uh, okay, so what I think is going to happen is that Emma, like, I think Henry will get so angry at Regina and Emma, both of them, that he's going to tell them both that he wants to live with Neil instead. He wants to just be with his dad. Mm. And I'm not sure how that's going to sit with the two of them, but I would be in, like, I could see it playing out to where, like, Regina is like, teach, like, let me teach you magic and we can get him back. And Emma's like, okay, let's do it. Because she already agreed in Neverland. Remember when she let Regina rip out the Lost Boy's heart? Emma's already gone there. So mm. I, at this point, and the way that their relationship is developing, you know, developing and they're working together and Regina has already taught her magic. And even in this episode, when they go down into the storm cellar at the end, she asked Emma if she feels the dark magic. And Emma says she doesn't know, but whatever it is, it isn't good. Like, these two are building that kind of connection. So I could totally see it playing out to where Emma is like, okay, yeah, Regina, you teach me magic, and that's how we'll get Henry back. And Regina's all, like, sweet. And, like, that will be the beginning of Emma's, like, journey down the dark path, like, to the dark side. You know what I mean? Like, 
Mm-hmm. And then, you know, mm-hmm. and then she'll have to be saved. And somebody will have to save the Savior. And who do you think that's going to be? Henry. So, yeah. <laughs> that's my theory. There's so many theories awesome. flying around. <laughs> you guys should see when we awesome. get into these big conversations about who we think is going to end up being the Tin Man and who we think is going to die, and which... I I still don't know who I think is going to die. I think something, I don't think it's going to be Neil. I will say that. I've said that all along. I think that's a total red herring, the fact that, because they are really making a strong point that he has not been seen and he's not around. I definitely think Hook is hiding something. I, I almost think that, you know, he's, I think it has something to do with what he had to give up or what he had to do to get that memory potion for Emma to die. I don't know if I think it's Hook either. I almost think it's going to be somebody else. I think it's going to be Hook, and something happened in this episode that even kind of, you know, backs me up a little bit, at least I feel. Maybe I'm looking into it, you know, maybe I'm reading too much into it. That's totally fine. But if not, I was totally right about it, then, like, bam, like, somebody owes me a coffee. So the next scene after the pawn scene with Emma and, you know, or with Regina and Henry is Emma and Hook in the woods. And she asks him about what happened in the forest, and he says nothing. That's my tale, and I'm sticking to it. And I just want to point something out about pirates, okay? In Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride, the movies, kind of just regular pirates, folklore, whatever, you know, dead men tell no tales. And Hook is not telling Emma his tale. He's telling her that nothing happened. So dead men tell no tales, you see, and Hook is the dead man because he's not telling. So Hook's going to die. It's him. It's not going to be Neil. It's going to be Hook. It's Hook. It's Hook. It's Hook. (laughs) (laughs) Zach is hoping. I don't know. I, I did notice that that he said that he that was his tale. He didn't say that's my story and I'm sticking to it. He did say that's my tale and that's a whole Disney Pirates of the Caribbean thing, Dead Men Tell No Tales. I I almost think the way he looks, aside from the fact that he's hiding something, he seems to be kind of bummed out in these episodes. So it seems like that maybe he does know that he's only here for a little while. But I don't know. I just, everybody seems to think it's either him or Neil. I think the fandom is probably split right down the middle as to who they think it is. I've seen equal tweets and Facebook arguing for both cases. But I don't know. I think I need another episode under my belt before I can figure it out. I know Neil's in this next episode. We've seen the commercial, the promos for it, so... Yeah, and he looks like he's kind of, like, collapsing in pain, which does give weight to the theory that Neil could end up being, like, the Tin Man character. But, uh, you know, it's Hook. Yes, Rose, it's Hook. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I'm just saying, because you know what the other thing is? Okay, okay. He has a piece of metal in his body already, so he's already, like, kind of, you know, metally. And then if the Wicked Witch, like, if she already took his heart or if she has yet to take his heart, either way, that's what's going to happen. She's going to take his heart, and then he's going to be the heartless Tin Man, right? And then he's going to end up dying because the witch is going to squeeze his heart. And it's going to happen. It's going to play out just like Graham did. I'm telling you. It's going to play out just like that. It's going to be I like don't know, but the comment that he said to Emma kind of 
I mean, when he said that about the heart, that there's actually a line in the Wizard of Oz about the ten, or the Tin Man says, "That's how I know I have a heart now because it's breaking." When Dorothy's going to leave Oz at the very end, and that's right. Hook said something like that to Emma. He said, "That's how you know you have," or, or he said that it's good that her heart got broken because that meant it was working. I don't know. I just. I think maybe he, he will fun. end up being the Tin Man character because we did see with Charming and with Rumple. I think we kind of already know who they're going to be. And they. Uh, I, I think maybe Hook will be the Tin Man character, but I still, like I said, I don't know if he's going to be the one to, to bite it. Speaking of which, there's actually a Once Upon a Time commercial on right now. Yeah, I think that it's it's Hook, man. It's Hook. It's Hook. <laughs> Zach is not giving up on his theory. I'm not. I'm not. I will. I will. I will captain that ship to the end. Haha. So. <laughs> <laughs> so then, um, so then after that lovely moment, right, where Hook, you know, reveals that it's going to be him who's the Tin Man. That's when they go to the farmhouse and it's covered in snow, and Emma says, "Oh, look, a farmhouse." you got to appreciate the irony. Well, let me tell you, Emma Swan, I do. <laughs> Definitely. I love that. That was hilarious. I like the bike on the porch. I thought, you know, it was yeah. just like Elmira Galt's bike from Wizard of Oz. And, you know, in the book, The Wizard of Oz, the witches are really, really evil. I mean, it's not the kind of movie version that we see because – in the books, that's actually right. how the Tin Man becomes the Tin Man. Well, one of the witches makes him actually start lopping off, off parts of his own body, and he has to replace them. Yeah, he's got to replace it. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> the, the story is very dark in itself. But I love that Easter egg. I love that there was a bike with a basket, like Elmira Golta's bike from the movie. So I thought it was oh. fantastic. Yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, I'm a big old awesome too. And so then they find the storm cell, and of course it's locked, and you know they're going to go in, but then, you know, Hook says that they need to get Regina, basically. And so, well, he says they need somebody else, and so I was like, okay, I'll call Regina. I just thought it was funny. Um, and then we find out in both, you know, the past, and, you know, in Rapunzel's Tower, as well as in the forest, where Charming is like, you know, facing the thing. He's facing the ghoul. Um, okay. You find out that it's himself, and it, you know, it's it's fear manifested after you do the whole night root thing and the whole point of that is so you can defeat your fear, you know, and all that good stuff. So then Charming, you know, after the big fight, whatever, and, you know, his in, in Storybrooke, I should say, after the Storybrooke fight, um, he kills the thing with his sword and then his sword disappears. And then Regina shows up and she says that uh, the symbol of his courage has been taken and, you know, that could be a very powerful thing. Okay. Well, this is where the theory thing comes into play. And our good friend Anthony, whose last name I am not even going to attempt to say because I know I'm going to butcher it. Um, but anyways, our good friend Anthony, who went with us to Walt Disney World, um, he's Lori's cousin, our Seth, and we're Lori's cousin. Okay, anyways. Um, he has a theory, which is fantastic. And obviously, you know, he's totally thinking that Hook is going to be the Tin Man and, you know, her variety of other reasons. But also, okay, Charming is totally the cowardly lion. 
because he's had number one, he's had his courage taken away, but number two, he had totally had like the fur liner thing going on for his cape in the first episode in New York City Serenade. Remember that in the in the spring premiere, he had that fur uh-huh. cape on after his finished pose. Yeah, homeboy is the lion, and then. So that's where, So as soon as that scene happened, that's when I was like, okay, well, he's, he's the cowardly lion. Everybody should read Anthony's theory, too, because it's totally fantastic, and you know, there's another viewpoint on that as well there. So go to onceuponafans.com and read it because it's totally good. Um, so then they, you know, Charming saves Rapunzel, and they take her home to her mom and dad, and at some point, Belle and Regina apparently became civil or something. Because they're, like, standing there together when Rapunzel's parents show up. And I thought that was kind of, like, weird. I was like, wouldn't Belle really not like Regina at all? Like, wouldn't she be standing anywhere but there? Like, but, yeah, anyways. So then they're there, and Rapunzel, you know, she reunites with her parents, and, you know, it's all wonderful and everything. And then Charming tells Snow that he was, you know, has worries about the baby and everything else. And, okay. So then we get to the end, right, and we see... Oh, wait. So, yeah, they go to the storm cellar, and, you know, the Wicked Witch is leaving Snow White's house, and, you know, they go in the storm cellar, and they find the spinning wheel inside the cage, and they figure out, you know, that it's Rumpelstiltskin who's still alive. So, just to, just to clarify now, everybody, okay, we've got a prince who's wearing a fur, and he doesn't have his courage, so he's a lion. We've got Hook, who is, you know the Tin Man, because he's already metal and he's going to end up losing his heart, you know, now or in the past, one way or another. And then we've got a man who can spin straw, and he's out of his mind crazy. Like, he doesn't, he's not able to use his brain. And mm. what is a scarecrow made out of? A scarecrow is made out of straw, so of course Rumpelstiltskin would qualify as the scarecrow character in the story. Which leaves us with, you know, who's going to be Dorothy? Well, I think Dorothy is going to be it might be, oh, I can't, I actually can't decide on this. Because on the one hand, right, since Regina is the Wicked Witch's sister, she could be the Wicked Witch of the West, or excuse me, the Wicked Witch of the East. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, she could be, like, Regina could be the Dorothy character because she's brunette. Um, Emma could be the Dorothy character just because it kind of, like, makes sense. But on the other hand, because it's like about a you know, journey, you know, find your way home and all that stuff, and that's kind of what Emma's on. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, like, Emma could be, like, Glinda, kind of, and be, like, the good witch. So, I don't know. I Actually, you know what? I still kind of think that Dorothy is going to be an elderly woman that we visit in the episode Kansas. I don't know if I said that on the podcast or not. But that is what I think is going to happen. No, in the but that would Kansas. be really interesting. Yeah, I, I think that... I about the, that. Yeah, in the episode Kansas, I think that, that um, Emma and... At least Emma, somebody, at least Emma is going to go to Kansas to an old farm, and they're going to meet Dorothy, but she's going to be an old lady. And she's going to tell them all about, like, Oz and stuff. At least that's what I, that's what I think would happen. Like, that's what I think would be a cool twist. Because then, then it kind of plays into the whole Wizard of Oz movie thing, because then it's like, you know, the Dorothy that went in the movie back in the, you know, 1939. So I just think it would be cool. On the other hand, I mean, really anybody can be Dorothy at this point. Shoot, I don't know where they're going to take the story. That's part of the fun is trying to figure all this stuff out. But, um, right. I feel like I need another episode, but what I had originally been thinking is that since we know Selena has control over Rumpel, 
maybe you know she has the dagger. Maybe she made him use his seer powers, and he predicted that those child is going to be the end of Zelina. So maybe Snow's baby is the Dorothy character. And I still think, which I've said all along as we've gotten into Oz, that the four witches are going to be, we know we've got Glinda already and we've got Zelina. I think Regina is going to end up in that Witch of the East role, which kind of she already is because they were sisters, the East and West. And I think Emma is going to end up being uh, the other, you know, quote-unquote good witch to make the four witches. And I think that that is going to have something to do with whatever big showdown or finale or whatever happens towards the end of the season. Dude, did you see what Sam said in the chat room? She said, maybe Henry is Dorothy because he needs to find his way home to his family by remembering that. Mm, yeah, that's good. I like that, I'm too. down with that thing. I am so down with that. I like it. Mm. I do it enjoy that. Be. I, do. I think. I think there's so many ways that they could go with it. It's just, that's why I keep saying I feel like I need another episode under my belt before I can decide for sure. But it looks like next week's episode is going to be huge. And I can't wait to see it. I hope that they figure out soon that Zelina is the Wicked Witch. The only thing I don't want to see is a a baby swap or something happening. I think that the title Snow Drift is more like what I think it means personally. I think she's going to go into labor. And while she's in labor and pain, I think she's going to be drifting in and out of that sleeping curse place. So, I mean, that's what... Oh, That's what weird. I think that title means. Won't that be bad? Because some people pass out from the pain. Yeah. I could tell you. <laughs> so it could it, <laughs> get pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Wow. Um, wow, that's – oh, okay, yeah. I don't know what to think about that. All right. So that was basically like the end of the episode pretty much um, mm-hmm. for that one. So then – God, there's so many ways that this could go, so many different directions. I can't wait. Like, I'm so excited to see where this is all going to take off and what direction they're heading in and, and everything. Oh, this is going to be so sweet. Okay, and I think that Sam is on to something with Henry being the Dorothy of the, of the storyline because then it's like not only a gender role reversal, but then it makes sense with the story and the finale is called There's No Place Like Home. So it would play in if Henry gets, mm-hmm, Henry remembers everything. It's kind of like when Dorothy wakes up and, oh, yeah, I can, I can see it. Sam, I love it. I love it, babe. I just love it. Mm-hmm. All right, so we need to get into Wonderland now. So, Amy, take it away. Well, we didn't get to get into Wonderland from the previous week on last week's podcast because we had, you know, a lot to talk about. We had a lot of comments, and then we had a lot of news about the cons that are coming up. So what we missed, the the big reveal from the week before, aside from the hugely creepy Guardian of the Well, which kind of paralleled the Aladdin uh, Cave of Wonders thing, when she came out, she even said, who disturbs my slumber. But what we missed from that episode is that uh, the way that Cyrus and his brothers got into the bottle, for those of you who didn't see the episode, was that they stole water from the well 
and they were told that their mother's fate was sealed. She was supposed to die. She was not supposed to cheat fate. But they took the magic water anyway, Cyrus convinced them to. They poured it on her after she had been burned very badly uh, by some people that Cyrus cheated at a card game. And then she was able to be revived. So she cheated death. And some of the water dribbled on the floor. And it was really just disturbing because this guardian, Nyx, is what her name is. She came up out of the ground, out of the water. And she's just... If you haven't seen at least the pictures of the episode, definitely go back and watch it and look at it because it's super creepy. There were several lines that came from Aladdin, but the big reveal from that scene was that Amara, who had taken Jafar in when he was a child and is the one who taught him magic and the one that he betrayed and put into, turned into the snake staff that he carries around, she is actually Cyrus's mother and his, you know, obviously his brothers. So that was the big reveal from the week before. And then in this week's episode, uh, he finally, you know, they he realizes she's alive, so they know they have to get her back. But this episode of Wonderland was huge. This one was written by Katie Wetch and Jen Cow, who have just done an amazing job with this episode. We got Cora back in this episode, which I know everybody that I've talked to was waiting yeah. for this. <laughs> I know Zach was too. He he loves some Barbara Hershey. But Cyrus finds out his mom is in the staff, and so there's only two episodes left. Now they have to either find out how to get her back. The only way they can be uncursed and free is if the water is returned to the well which, uh, what do you think is that that's going to mean, Zach? Because the only thing I can think of is that she's going to end up having to be sacrificed at the end if they do get her out of the staff, because that's the only way they're going to get that water back into the well, because it's been, you know, years and years and years. Or the only way for Cyrus to defeat Jafar is by breaking the staff and by doing so killing his mom. Oh, hmm. That would be rough, because when we left off on this week's Wonderland, Cyrus knew that his mom was in the staff, that he had gotten his compass back, his lost and found. <clears throat> and so he he was able to find out the staff actually turned on Jafar. He tried to kill Cyrus and Alice with it, and he, it fought back against him. And then Cyrus picked it up, and it, like, blasted Jafar back, but... Unfortunately, you know, he got away with Will's heart because that was another big thing from this week was Cyrus and Alice went to Storybrook and they came through a hole in the road right in the middle of the clock, you know, right in front of the clock tower. Did did you notice Ruby's car drive by with the music blasting in that scene? Back? Oh, yeah. I love that. I was oh, like, yeah. ah, Ruby. I saw so many tweets. There are all these tweets going, Ruby. Angie says in the chat room she thinks that the mom is going to have to die, too. I I think that, unfortunately, that is going to be endgame. Amara is going to – I think she either she'll be back for a while or the staff will be destroyed. But I think that's going to be endgame. So, I don't know. I know one of the big things, like I mentioned, with Cora being back, and everybody who mentioned it 
definitely said, you know, uh, she's still as horrible and evil and heartless as we remember. And didn't you think that it was a huge parallel with the way she treated Aunt Anna and the way that she had treated Regina? Yeah, but there was a lot of contrast in that, too. I think that she had realized some of the stuff she had done wrong with Regina, and so she was trying to do it differently. Um, mm-hmm. I actually thought that Cora, like, even though I know that she didn't have her heart, she actually seemed a little bit more human and a little bit more uh, caring in this episode. Huh. I don't know, because I thought she was playing it. I, I didn't think she was actually caring. I thought that she was definitely trying to manipulate. I wish that we had more than two episodes left because I had really wanted to see one, Cora, you know, she's the queen of hearts. I wanted to see her once upon a time version of history with young Alice. I wanted to see, um, you know, just more of that history. And she really didn't say what it was she wanted Anna as far as getting her into magic and everything. I know she said she and the king had never seen eye to eye. They really didn't explore that. So that's kind of, that's another thing on my list to talk to Richard about. I would love to know what is, you know, what was, what were they thinking as far as that? Did they want to do more? I know, like I mentioned, he hinted that he wanted to uh they had wanted to do a storyline about Alice's mother, and there were some other things that they had wanted to do. So that's definitely something that I want to ask about. But she was just horrible in this episode. I mean, Will did ask her to take his heart, but she she uh, completely manipulated that situation. Uh, I don't maybe so, but at the same time, like. Knowing what we know now about mm-hmm. Cora and the Miller's daughter and the fact that she's missing her heart and why and all those things, um, I actually found her story in this one to be a little bit more sympathetic than she'd ever been before because now that I know that she did love someone and that she ripped her own heart out and that was why and she is a horrible person, she's still a horrible person, but <laughs> I don't know. She just She just seemed a little bit more... There was almost like there was, like, a look of regret or something on her face or, like, after Will walked away. Like, she just – there was just a look that told me that she was thinking about her past. You know what I mean? Like, she was thinking about everything. She was probably thinking about Rumpel in that moment. Um, Or Naveen Andrews, either one. But anyway, she was probably – you know, she's probably thinking about – yeah. Like, there was something, like – there was just something – there that made me totally think that so i don't know i mean she don't don't get me wrong cora is a detestable (laughs) human being um and a totally just evil woman but you know she did seem a little bit softer in this episode that's all i'm not saying i liked her any better i'm just saying that she was softer (laughs) in this episode the only thing that i found softer about her in this episode was the fact that she let the knave live, whereas she had just flat out killed Daniel the first time she ripped somebody's heart out where she was trying to convince them, you know, that they didn't together. But, I mean, she went there, and he was just crushed and brokenhearted, and he said, you know, every day he wakes up thinking 
that today is going to be the day that Anna comes back and it never is and he's crying and when he went to the castle and asked Anna to leave and to meet him at dawn at the carriage and Cora overheard. I mean, she completely played that whole situation. She went to the car at dawn. You know, she, he was crushed. She, you know, took advantage of that. He asked her, you know, take his heart. I'd rather feel, he said, I'd rather feel nothing than to feel like this. And she took his heart. And Peter Pizza even said, you know, she had a bag ready and with her. You know, she had a little dog bag ready for his heart. And then she tells him he needs to be on her way or he needs to be on his way, sorry. And then back at the castle, <laughs> Anna's going to leave, and Cora stops her and then completely plays on the fact that Anna's mother didn't love her. If you all didn't see the episode, um, part of another reveal from the episode was that we talked about our theories before. Anna was, in fact, Anastasia Cinderella's stepsister stories, and it was brought up in the week before, that her mother never loved her, never treated her well, you know, never showed her any affection at all, and that she had always felt like if the prince had chosen her, maybe her mother would have loved her. And Cora just fed on that and just, you know, she kept giving her, saying all these things like, oh, you know, you're you're meant for so much, but I'm sure, you know, it's not my place to say that. I'm sure you hear, you've heard that all the time from your mother, even though, you know, she, she hadn't, and she just seemed to feed on it to manipulate her. And after she sent Will away, then she, you know, she goes back, she stops Anna from leaving to go and to the carrot or to the wagon. She shows her in the mirror that he's gone. And Anna thinks that, you know, he's gone because he left her and he never intended to meet up with her, that it was all some big ruse, but really he left because Cora told him to. But it was just, I don't know, I just feel like Cora really, you know, she lived up to every bad thing we've ever seen her do in this episode. But I don't know, she's 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 bad, but like you said, we know her history because we've seen the Miller's daughter now and we know some of her background. So like with a lot of the villains we've talked about before, they have these shades of gray. You know, they're never just evil for evil's sake, except for the Jabberwocky. I will say that this Jabberwocky seems to just eat up being evil and bad. Like she seems to not have a motivation or, you know, she just likes being evil and, you know, Jafar was drowned by his father, and Anna has this whole thing with Will, and, you know, we've seen with Regina and Cora, but with the Jabberwocky, this is, I love the way that, I don't know, she's very reptilian, and I will say that after this week's episode, I kind of thought, because she didn't just zoom over and kill Alice and Cyrus right there, that maybe they were going to write it out that she ended up somehow being Alice's lost mother. But I don't know. She's just, how are you liking this version of the Jabberwocky, Zach? She's creepy. She's (laughs) kind of, she's uh, like, What is she to me? 
I don't really know. Um, I I I prefer my draft. My Jabberwocky is a creature and not a human being, or not a human person. Um, that's just how I like my Jabberwockies. Um, I like how I like my cup of girl gray tea, you know, hot. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just, I like my Jabberwockies a certain way and not in necessarily the shape of a woman. Like, she kind of makes me think of, like, if Lady Gaga and Cindy Lauper had a love creature magic power child, it would be the Jabberwocky. Like, and they would be teaching her how to strut her stuff all over that stage, too, because like, it's Wonderland, so it ain't no thing to them. So, you know, they, they've, they've been to shows before playing rock concerts and stuff, so it's probably not a big deal with Wonderland. So they probably she played does Wonderland remind me a little of Lady Gaga, I will say that. <laughs> just the, yeah, the, she's a little you know, Gaga. She is a little Gaga. Yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to... Gaga so, Rocky. That's what Peter just said in the chat room. That's hilarious. Well, yeah, she is... And I think it's the hair, I, I, I know, the eye makeup, but I, I don't know. I just think she's, she really has added, made the show a little darker. And like I said before, I love the darker side of it. I can't wait to talk to Richard next week about some of these elements of the show. But I love Alice in Wonderland, but I really like this twist that they're doing. And in the original book, the monster is actually called the Jabberwock, and the poem is called Jabberwocky. But I love her, and together I think her and Jafar are really good. Naveen Andrews and Peta Sargent, who plays her together, I could watch them on screen all the time. Now, my very favorites on screen for this show are Anna and Will. I, I love them. I think Emma Rigby is fantastic. and. She's, All the way. She's amazing. And this week, I felt like... This week, that uh, for her, was absolutely amazing. Yes, yeah. I already liked her, and I know I talk about that all the time and how bad I want her wardrobe, and she's fabulous. But this week was out of the park for her. I thought it was fantastic. She was so... I don't know. She, You really... She was just rough and really torn up, and you could see what all this had done to her and we did get that moment with Will did get his heart back and it looked a little painful. Jafar got that and slammed it back in his chest. But they had the moment as soon as he had his heart back, you know, she had was telling him to look at her and I loved the way it was filmed. I loved that it was kind of slow motion and then it went from they finally had that kiss and it was magic and stars around them and the camera was very close and went around their faces and it yep, was like they were intimate. all cleaned up yeah it was beautiful yep. and the rest the scene after that was played out in slow motion right up until the moment where the horrible horrible thing happened but did you like their kiss did you like that they finally got back together oh yeah um because I think that because now she's coming from a more genuine place, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I like her a lot more now. I really loved her whole thing about, you know, how she wanted to be the, the queen that the people deserved. Um, and I thought it was good. However, uh, the ending, like, honestly, I can, I can honestly say, and my partner can vouch for this, 
that when the ending happened, my mouth fell open and did not close until after the credits had gone. Um, and they were starting the next show. Um, my mouth was still hanging open. Uh, yeah. I was. I couldn't believe. I mean, obviously, I'm not expecting that to uh, to remain permanent. Um, we should probably say what we're talking about, huh? Yeah. Well, I think it was shocking. They had teased in you know a, a promo before uh, the week previous to this that someone was going to die in this episode. I did not for a minute think it was going to be one of the main characters. I figured it would be the second Tweedle or, you know, somebody else, a side character. Maybe they were going to kill off the caterpillar or after the kiss and they have this magic moment, Jafar gets in there and says he wants to see if Will's heart really does work because the whole point of giving him back his heart was that Jafar can't cast the spell if one of the genies doesn't have their heart. And he comes up behind Anna and, you know, they're in this dungeon, so Will is separate. He can't get to her. And Jafar grabs her from behind, says he wants to see if Will's uh, heart is really working like it should, and he stabs her in the back. And Will is screaming from the cell next to her, begging, you know, for Jafar not to kill her. And then he says that he's going to kill Jafar, and he's crying and screaming, and it was so good. Such a good week for Michael Socha, too. I felt like this was a really, really strong week for him. I would love to see both of them cross over and stay on the main Once Upon a Time show, honestly, because they're both just fantastic. But I, Anna was the one who died last week. She fell at the feet of Jafar, oh. and I was completely shocked. I was, my, I was like, what? What just happened? And she didn't pop up. She didn't blue fairy pop her way back up. So I could not <laughs> believe that that was what the death was. Every time somebody comes back from the dead from now on, I don't care what show it is, I'm going to be, oh, look, she got blue fairied. So that's the that's new phrase. So, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's okay. true. I can't. Well, people, I the can't Walking hide. Dead, they got blue fairied. So. <laughs> I just don't want her gone. I love her. I love Emma Rigby. I have such a girl crush on her. And I I want to be Emma Rigby and Lana Perea when I grow up. That's that's my main goal. Yeah. Even though I'm already in my 30s. Oh my but, God, yeah. You're killing me, Smalls. You are killing me with this. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want her to be dead. So. Yes. I don't want her. No, you know, I kind of knew that they were going to kill somebody who was a major character because they got to go for the emotional payoff there. And honestly, if they had killed, like, the Caterpillar or one of the Tweedles or, you know, anybody else, it would not have provided the same emotional impact. And at this point in the story, like, you need that. Like, all the stakes are being raised. It's getting down to game time. Like, you know, it's, you know, sacrifices got to be made. You know, that's just part of the story. So it's, that stuff just has to happen. So I knew that somebody was going to go. I did worry that it was going to be Will, um, because for me personally, I mean, I love Will and Anna too. They're my two favorite characters on the show. But um, I, I think that overall, uh, Will, the name of hearts, is my favorite character of Wonderland. So I was really, really scared that it was going to, you know, be him. I well, not scared, but I was kind of concerned that it was that it was going to be him, because um, I didn't want that. And then it wasn't, but it was Anna. And like I said. 
my jaw it hit the floor. I was so surprised. I could not believe it. Um, right. Because because it's because it wasn't like some cheap, you know, run of the mill, no reason death. Like it was more like, you know, like it was. I mean, it had payoff. The like story. there was, there was red, yeah. but like they had just had their reunion and they had kissed and they were together and he loved her and oh my god, all of the feels and then it's like they killed her and it's like oh my god, get in the bathtub, everybody, like. It's time. Like, that's, that's, you know, I mean, I know you know what I'm saying. So um, I know what you're just, saying, Carl. Yeah. So that's that's just For that's all that it is. Who don't know what that the whole bathtub thing? Whenever we talk about having the feels, we everybody always talks about going and crying in the bathtub on our our staff page. So that's what that means when he says everybody head for the bathtub. So. My biggest concern is that the final episode is called And They Live, dot, dot, dot. It's not called And They Live Happily Happily Ever Ever After. So I have concerns that perhaps not everybody is going to be living happily ever after. But, uh, see, when we talk to Richard, we're going to be after next week's episode, but before the finale. So we can't have any spoilers. So I'm hoping that maybe he'll be able to come back and talk to us again, which I think he would be up for. He's such a sweetheart on Twitter. He's very kind, answers questions. He's done live tweets with us before. We just adore him. So, yeah, I would love to talk to him after the finale as well. What do you think the end game is going to be for Wonderland, Zach? What do you think, like, the, the end is going to play out as? Well, I kind of wanted Alice to go home until I saw what a horrible home life she has. So um, I kind of want her – I'm of two minds. I either want her to end – well, hmm. Honestly, I think it would be really sweet if she and Will ended up in uh, Storybrooke with everybody else, just because when they mm-hmm. were in Storybrooke this week, and she reacted to electricity as this fancy kind of magic, it was adorable. Um, they were super cute, Yeah. I just thought it was just a, it was the cutest darn scene of that whole episode, I think, and I liked it a lot, and I would like to see more of that. I think that Alice and Cyrus together in Wonderland would be a really fun thing. So, um, yeah, I just that, that's what I would prefer to see. Either that, or I would like her to become the White Queen and rule Wonderland. But at the same time, I kind of want Anastasia to get a second chance at it. Because like, I don't think she's dead, for sure. Because if, if Jafar is trying, you know, I, I think that Jafar is going to be successful and he's going to be, you know, he's going to be able to break the laws of magic or change them or whatever, you know what I mean? And his father is going to end mm-hmm. up loving him and all that stuff. But then I think that, you know, Anna will come back to life and then they'll do whatever it is they do and Jafar will be defeated. Maybe he'll get, you know, stuck into a genie lamp himself, kind of, you know, Aladdin animated Aladdin style. Um, maybe he won't. Maybe they'll just defeat him. I don't know, but... You know, I do kind of want um, I want Anastasia to get a second chance at being the Red Queen of Wonderland, and and you know, kind of like what she said, to be the queen that the people deserved. I think that she kind of maybe deserves that chance, and I would like to see what she does with it, and I would like to see Will by her side because Will Scarlet, you know, like Rami from the rich and feeding to the poor, and now he's like with the queen who made everybody poor, and it's her love for him that made her turn them all, you know, make them want to be rich and stuff, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like a cool, 
um, Robin Hood thing, too. It plays into the Robin Hood story, and he belongs in that. Plus, oh, well, no. Hmm. I would really like to see at some point, like, Will on... I want to see Will on Once Upon a Time more. Like, I want to find some way that we can work. And, like, if we can get one more Robin Hood flashback where we can get Will Scarlet <laughs> on there, I would be very happy. Just right. one. It just has one. I just love... I just... The fact that he is Will Scarlet, like, I want to see more of that. Like, I think it would be really cool if at one point we saw, like, if we saw him, like, steal from Regina's castle or something. You know what I mean? Like, maybe uh-huh. maybe Will rob Regina and then go give it to Robin Hood, and then Robin Hood can, like, they can laugh about the fact that they just stole from the evil queen. Because then later on, you know, she's like his boo, so. Mm. See, I agree. I think that Jafar is going to succeed. I think he's going to break the laws of magic. I have my fingers crossed that that means that Anna's going to come back and not that she's going to be blue fairied and not like walking dead come back because that would just be gross <laughs> and creepy on many levels. But I think he's going to succeed in casting the spell. He's going to make his father love him, which I mentioned in the chat room, his father and Pan are tied for father of the year. They both are horrible, but I I think that's going to happen. But like all magic that we've seen, I think it's going to come at a price. And I think Jafar, I don't know exactly how, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I think in the end he'll be defeated, and I think he's going to end up in a bottle the way that we saw in the Aladdin movie. That's how they defeated uh Jafar in the Aladdin movies, so I think that we are going to see that parallel and maybe he's going to end up in the bottle at the end. I hope that that doesn't mean that Anna dies again once he's defeated, if she does come back. I kind of hope that's not what and they live dot 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 means. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe as Sam said, maybe she's only mostly dead. But yeah, like from the Princess Bride. Because mostly dead is better than all dead. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. Bring out your dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm excited for it. There's only two left. Um, I mean, shoot, Wonderland is in two days. I mean, it's the day after tomorrow. So I know. Um, and I want somebody to punch Alice's stepmom in the face. Can I just put that out there right now? Because <laughs> I hate her. <laughs> Okay, we've seen Alice's father. We and need to make really... sure. Listen, we we need to make sure that we ask Richard exactly who that witch was. We've got to ask him. She was going to be up to something, I swear, because I, I, I hopefully see somebody soccer in the nose. She's just horrible and vile. At first, I thought Alice's dad she, was kind of what her she, face. Oh, what if she had Alice's mom like held captive somewhere? Like, oh, that witch. She she's so I think she's somebody or she was gonna be somebody. I don't think she's just rotten and horrible and vile, but she is. Like Alice's father at least has some kind of redemption in the episode where we saw that you know he was willing to give up his life once he came to Wonderland. And I have a question for you: How old would you say that woman was? Alice's Alice's father? Oh, I'm sorry. I guess he's not a woman. Sorry. Um, I don't know. Well, it's Wonderland. She could be like hundreds of years old. But if I had to judge, I would say maybe mid-40s, late-40s, maybe. 
Why, did she look like a scary old lady to you? No, well, no, but I had an idea, but then I thought that she's probably too old for the idea, so I wanted to ask her opinion, because I was like, what if she is Drusilla? Oh. I think she's too old, though. She might be, because her name is Sarah, but I don't know. I just don't like her. If nobody punches her in the face, I volunteer to, to film that episode myself and squish myself into the Red Queen outfit and fuck her in the nose. You're hilarious. I just want to see that happen. I hate her. <laughs> so, go for it. All right. So um, that, brings, that brings us to the end of our podcast, everybody, because we have about a minute left of the show. So that's the end of it for this week. Um, thank you all very much for listening. Of course, if you want more information about what we're talking about, if you want to see fan series or anything like that, you can go to Once Upon a Fans with an S at the end dot com. Uh, that is our homepage for the website of Once Upon a Fan. You can also go to at Once Upon a Fan on Twitter or the Facebook page is Once Upon a Time Fans. For the podcast, we are at O-U-A-F as in Fan Podcast. And then on Facebook, we are the Once Upon a Fan Podcast. And, or, right? Oh, what are we? <laughs> we have so many things. <laughs> what are we? It's an existential crisis. Once Upon a Fan Podcast. That's what we are. Um, so, yeah, if you want anything there, then you can find us there. Um, you can email us, O-U-A-F is in fan, podcast at gmail.com. Um, we have about 10 seconds left. Rose, Peter, everybody else who is in the chat, thank you. Andy, Andy, Sam. Good night, everybody. Thank you, everybody else, too. Good night. Good night.